Now, presenting live from 401 Maplewood Drive in Jupiter, Florida. Join our family every Sunday morning at 9 and 11 a.m. Today's message brought to you by Pastor Ben Pierce. Isn't it great to be a part of a church that is so alive and vibrant and so many things are happening? I just love our church. You know, there's a lot of things that are taking place uh, at Generation Church now. We're building out a new auditorium, and, and uh, we're continuing to grow. And, and one of the changes that is happening here at Generation Church is some of the leadership is expanding. And uh, so you, many of you guys know Jessica Irvine. She has been uh, leading uh, the uh, entire kids' ministry for a few years now and has been doing a phenomenal job with that. And, uh, and now Jessica is moving on to a new position in the church, and she's going to be leading all of the teams. And we have a new person that I want to introduce to you today who's been serving in GC Kids for the past couple of years, and we just hired uh, to come on and take over GC Kids. Ruth, would you please come to the stage? This is, uh, this is Ruth Salima, and we're so excited to have you a part of the team. She came on the team about a month ago and uh, just fit right in, and she is doing such a phenomenal job. She's been working with GC Kids for a long time, and uh, she and Jessica have just made a great transition. And, uh, and so Ruth is so full of God and so full of talent. She's a nurse by trade, so she can take care of kids, because how many guys know they, they bang each other, heads on the walls, all those things back there. Uh, but Ruth is, is really just, she's built by God to, to care for people and to train people. And she's, she's just training these children to be the, the planet shakers that God has called them and created them to be. And so I want to take a few minutes today and I just want to, uh, I want to pray for Ruth. And I want to just commission her into this work and introduce her to you. And we'll give Ruth a second to say a few words after we pray. So close your eyes and bow your heads. And uh, let's get ready to pray for Ruth. Father, we just thank you today. We honor you. We bless you. And we, we thank you, Father, for what you're doing in this church and in the lives of families here and kids. God, the next generation that you're training up, Father, for Ruth and her family, for Oleg and Zechariah. God, all the things that you want to do right now in Generation Church, we release them. And we thank Thank you, Father, that you are, are taking this church to a new place, God. You're taking families to a new place that you're strengthening in us in, in ways that we have yet to, to experience, Father. And, and we just thank you, God, that growth is a good thing. Growth is a sign of health. And, and so, Father, we just pray for the anointing of God to increase in the kids' church. Father, we pray for uh, more children to come to know you, for more parents to come to know you, for more families to be strengthened, Father. And we give you the praise and we give you the honor for what you're going going to do in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Ruth, you want to just say a couple words? Sure. I just want to say that I'm so honored and blessed to be part of such an amazing church family. And I'm just excited to see what God's going to continue to do in GC kids. So thank you. All right. Let's give Ruth a big hand as she goes back to her seat. Well, we are in the middle of a series called 40 days with Jesus. How many of you guys have been enjoying the devotional? I've been keeping up with it. Hey, I, I really love it, man. Some of you guys that have made entries into the devotional, I, I am just so impressed. I mean, just the, the heart that I see, the level of intensity, and just the things, the revelation, the things that, that you guys have brought to the surface and brought to light, I, I just really love it. And um, I, I think it's such a cool thing for a church to develop its own devotional and then go through it together. So if you haven't picked up a copy, make sure you do that. You can catch up and, and be a part of, of what God is doing here in this. You're part of 
of what we wanted to do through this series, 40 Days with Jesus, was I wanted to talk about what Jesus did and, and taught for 40 days after he was raised from the dead. See, he, he was killed and buried and, and, and raised from the dead, but he didn't just go straight to heaven after that. He, he walked around on planet earth for 40 days and then he ascended into heaven. And, and I was thinking about that. And I was like, what in the world was Jesus talking about for 40 days? And the Bible doesn't give us a whole lot of insight into that, but I believe that Jesus spent those 40 days reinforcing so much of what he had spent the previous three and a half years talking about. And so I wanted to just kind of bring some of the major themes out of Jesus' ministry through this series and, and just kind of roll us around in that a little bit. And, and, and maybe for, for an instant, we can get a little bit of a better idea of, of what those conversations may have looked like, what, what God was doing. So I want to welcome you to 40 Days with Jesus. Can we welcome all those joining us by video this morning? So glad you guys are here. I want to invite you to be a part of a service live and in person right here at Generation Church. So Friday morning, Melissa took me to my first spin class. Anybody ever been to spin class? Oh, yeah. Um, six o'clock in the morning, and, and I, I go to this, this spin class, and uh, it's the first time I've ever done anything like that. And, and so I'm getting my gear together, and I'm trying to get on this bike and, and get ready to spin at six o'clock in the morning. And, and there's this instructor, and she's up on the stage in this place. She's got a little, little pink microphone on, and, and there are videos of people riding mountain bikes because we're not really riding bikes. We, we could be outside, but we're inside on, on a fake bike. And, and so we have to watch people ride ride real bikes on TV screens in front of us. And so she's with one hand up here typing on the computer and, and loading YouTube videos. And then she's calling out commands. And, and then she's making an omelet over on this side of the stage. And, and, and she's just going and, and, and trying to help us simulate what real bicycle riding would be like. And so um, she gets to this place about midway through the exercise where she says, okay, nobody ever does this. You've got to be superhuman to ride a quarter mile in 30 seconds. And I'm thinking, come on, girl, what you talking about? This is my first time at spin. I'm going to tear it up because that's just my personality. And so I gear myself up and I start to cheat because I turn all the tension all the way down. I'm thinking, come on now, I'm going to tear it up. So I get on there and the countdown happens, three, two, one, and I'm just going for everything I can go for. No tension on the, on the cycle and, and, and the thing is spinning. It's starting to smoke. Bolts are flying off into the room and... People are starting to look around, and, and I look down. I cannot get it past 10.9 miles an hour. 10.9? Are you kidding me? So I'm riding this thing, riding, 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 and I get lightheaded, and then we go into round two. Round two, I kind of coast, and, and round three comes up. This is my last opportunity. I gear myself up, turn my tension all the way off. Three, two, one, and I hit it again, and I'm just going for everything I can go for. 10.9 miles an hour. And I'm thinking, what in the world? I'm, a, I'm just such a loser. What I didn't realize is I was riding in first gear. Have I ever stuck in first gear before? I mean, my knees are about to blow out. I'm having visions of myself getting caught in the pedals and the thing just slapping me again. Because, you know, the bike doesn't stop. There's no coast on these things. The pedals just keep going. And I'm just seeing slap, bam, bam, bam. And so the 30-second thing is up. And, and at this point, I, I'm, honestly, I'm in a little bit of trouble. I've had anything to eat. And I'm about to literally pass out. 
And so I get off the cycle and I, I literally go to the side and I lay down on a bench. And I'm looking, Melissa's there, a lot of our friends are there, and there are people there from all different walks of life. There are friends there that have kids in college, friends there who have kids that are just little kids, and, and, and we're all there. And, and I'm laying there on that bench, and, and I'm about to pass out, and I'm just praying. I'm saying, Lord, please, just keep the teeth. If I hit the cement, I just, I don't want to preach, gap tooth. Come on, help me, Jesus. And I'm laying there, and all of a sudden, I get the, the, the realization that I just paid to exercise. <laughs> and then it just kind of lands on me, this, this, this idea that that's what my parents did. My mom used to go to aerobics and pay to do this stuff. And, and I realized for just a second that here I am with all of our friends and, and, and kids in all different ages, and I realized that a generation has come full circle, that I'm doing the things that my parents used to do. And I used to look at my mom and think, you're paying to go ride a bicycle. Just go ride a bicycle. And here I am doing the same thing in life. Have you guys ever had this, this phrase come through your mind? I do not want to grow up to be my parents. How many of you guys today would say, I have my parent living inside of me. And that person sneaks out all the time in my speech and my actions and, and all those kind of things. And, and as I was laying there clinging to life, Trying not to die. Melissa is called, she's on their bike. She doesn't stop. She's just cycling, dialing 911. Honey, you okay? Are you going to make it? <laughs> As I'm laying there clinging to life, I, I, I realize that, um, that there's just a whole new generation that is, is coming up. And that the generations are of vital importance to Jesus. As we continue to become more and more like our parents, which we don't want to do, but we do, we continue to pay for exercise instead of riding our bicycles around the neighborhood. We, we continue to do the, the thing just continually cycles generation after generation. And I realize that if, if we're not careful as we continue to cycle through and a full circle generation comes around again, if we're not careful, we have a, an opportunity to miss a generation that's raising up. We have an opportunity to, to see Judges 2, chapter 10, or chapter 2, verse 10, come to life, where a generation comes on the scene that does not know the Lord. It's a bad opportunity. But on the other side of that bad opportunity of a generation that would raise up, that we wouldn't know them or be connected with them or were disconnected from them, the other side of that opportunity is that there could also be a generation that raises up that is connected to the Lord. And there is a, a generation that could be raised up that would be a world-changing generation, a planet-shaking generation. And as I thought about Jesus in 40 days with Jesus, what I realized about him is Jesus was all about the generations. Jesus was all about the generational things that God wanted to do, the transfer of one legacy to the next, of one generation to the next. Jesus was all about the little children. And, and, and in my mind, a lot of times, I, I can see Jesus as the ultimate pastor. He, he's the ultimate prophet. He's the best teacher. He, he's the, the, the apostle of all apostles. He, he is all of the five-fold ministry gifts. But in my mind, I don't really see Jesus as the ultimate youth pastor. 
you know, is wearing his Under Armour robe and his Converse uh, sandals. It just, Jesus just doesn't come across to me as the ultimate youth pastor. But when you really begin to get into Scripture, you see that Jesus is generational. Jesus is about the generations. He is about what God wants to do in those who are coming up behind us. As a matter of fact, he, he said this. He said it would be better to strap a millstone around your neck than to neglect this ministry opportunity. It would be better to strap a millstone around your neck and drown in the sea than to neglect the opportunity to touch the upcoming generations. Matthew 18 and 6, if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung from their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. See, before Jesus ever raised Lazarus from the dead, he raised a young boy from the dead. We never hear about that story. He raised a young girl from the dead before he ever raised Lazarus from the dead. That young girl was Jairus' daughter. We never really hear that he did that first. We always just kind of go straight to the adult that he raised from the dead. Jesus healed an epileptic boy. It was the first special needs ministry. Jesus consistently delivered children and ministered to children. He was focused on the next generation. Jesus knows, and, and we also need to know that our future, the future of the kingdom of God, it resides in these people wearing blue shirts that sit around you today and how you interact with them. See, wherever Jesus hung out with kids, miracles happened. Wherever Jesus was and kids or youth were together, miracles just started to, to, to come about. People raised from the dead. People healed. And, and the same thing happens today, some 2,000 years later. Where youth are, Jesus is. And where those, those two groups are hanging out together, miracles begin to happen in people's lives. If, if you're not connected to the next generation, you're missing part of the miraculous that God wants to do in your life. I've titled this message this, this weekend, Millstones or Miracles? Millstones are miracles, and, and you have the opportunity to decide what are you going to have in your life? Are you going to have a millstone, or are you going to have miracles? It's your choice. You decide. I, I remember my mother telling me the story of my first sermon. I don't remember my first sermon. I was three years old, and we lived in Houston, Texas, and or outside of Houston, about 45 minutes, and, and my aunt and uncle were visiting on vacation, and, and so we drove 45 minutes into Houston, and we went to Lakewood Church. John Osteen was the pastor there then. Today, Joel, his son, is the pastor. So we drove to Lakewood Church, and, and this little three-year-old boy on the way home preached the entire message. And my uncle, who was not born again at the time, sat in the back of that car and just cried like a baby. And in the back of that car, miracles were starting to take place. His heart was beginning to soften in ways that it had never softened. And they were coming alive to the things of God because a child that doesn't even remember the experience began to open his mouth. Miracles happen when we get connected in what God is doing generationally. 
You see, sometimes we, we, we neglect to understand or know or even want to dive into what God is doing in the hearts of young people. What, what is it that, that God is trying to draw out of them as, as he brings a new phase of ministry and life to the kingdom of God? Do you ever notice that revivals never really start with 85-year-old men? Nothing against 85-year-old men. I'll be one of those one day. But there's something about this, this, this young, hungry, passionate generation that are, are hungry for the things of God that, that God just begins to stir revival. And, and, and what I see in the generations is I see the older generation and the younger generation, and we're, we're somewhat divided from each other. And, and the older generation is trying to do their deal and ride cycles and pay for exercise. And, and the younger generation is thinking, just go outside and ride your own bicycle. And, and there's got to be something that we do intentionally as a group of people to connect those two generations. See, the reality is, is these guys are just so full of passion for God. They draw in the kingdom. Miracles happen in their midst. Their faith draws that out. Their energy level is through the roof. See, the next generation, we need their energy. And they need your wisdom. We need their energy, and they need our wisdom because they have the means to make things happen. They just don't have the know-how. And you have the know-how, but let's be honest. We have other things going on. So just imagine with me for a minute if a church could have the generations come together. If the wisdom of one generation would begin to pour into the, the power and the excitement and the energy and the miracle-working faith of, of the younger generation, what, what could we do? Well, what could happen in Jupiter, Florida, if we all came together and we all began to work together for the same purpose and, and we allowed God to take our strengths from one generation to the next, marry them together, and get something accomplished? See, the reality is, is once we transition and come full circle and you get to this place where you have entered the next generation, you've left your, your youth and you've entered into your middle life years or your older life years, once you've reached that place, it's hard to understand what's happening. It's hard to stay Connected, it's easy to overlook and misunderstand and misinterpret what God's doing. Because we can look at the younger generation and say, their music is so loud, their pants are so low, <laughs> they shave the side of their head, and they stretch their earlobes out so you could drive a Volkswagen Beetle through them. And we're sitting around thinking, son, you know that's never going to come back in order, right? <laughs> like you're going to be 85 and it's going to be looping way down here. And it's hard for us to connect with that, but there's power in that connection because Jesus is about the generations. Jesus is about connecting one generation to the next, and we have got to be on that same page. I love this. In Matthew chapter 19... This story begins to unfold. It's a, it's a powerful story. It reveals Jesus' heart, and I believe it might hit home with you today. 
Matthew 19 and 13. It says that there were little children that were brought to Jesus, that he should put his hands on them and bless them, pray for them. So see, what's happening is, is the Jewish people are keeping with their customs. They're, they're bringing kids to Jesus, and, and he's going to lay his hands on them. And in that custom, they were all about transferring one generation to the next. They, they understood what God wanted to do as a father placed his hands on a son, and he prayed for that son, and the, the birthright would pass from one generation to the next. The, the blessing would pass from one generation to the next. The inheritance would pass from one generation to the next. In that culture, they knew that. They, they understood that. But the next line says that the disciples rebuked the parents for bringing them to, to Jesus. And, and I kind of get this picture. Like, here are all the disciples. They're hanging around Jesus. And, and you know, they're big-time ministry. Come on. It's Jesus' posse. Hear all these kids coming. I can see Peter in his earpiece. They're coming at his three. Somebody blocked the three o'clock, three o'clock position. Get the kids, get them out of here. No, no place for the kids. They're big time, caught up in what they're trying to get done for themselves. The disciples were focused on their own deal. The disciples were focused on ministry opportunities for them. The disciples were trying to work out their own purpose and destiny. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we've got to be careful that we don't end up like the disciples where we're trying to do our own deal, work on our own thing, and we forget there are the children that need to be blessed, that there are the next generation coming up behind us. So here the kids come, and they, they rebuke the parents, and, and, and Jesus, he says, whoa, wait a minute. These kids, they, they need to come to me. They need to be blessed. Now, I think if we're honest in our own lives, we find ourselves like the disciples sometimes, trying to do our own deal, trying to go to our own spin class, trying to, to make our own way in life. As we get older, we get more um, focused on making our life count for something, trying to produce something, trying to leave an inheritance and a legacy. And sometimes we spend so much effort doing that that we miss the opportunities that are right in front of us. Verse 14, but Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for such is the kingdom of heaven. What is Jesus saying by that? For such is the kingdom of heaven. Let the children come so that I might bless them because that is the kingdom of heaven. What is Jesus really saying there? Because the kingdom of heaven is the source of the miraculous for this world. We draw by faith on the resources of heaven to bend the physical nature of this planet. If sick people need healing, then we draw on the resources of Jesus at the cross and, and we pray for healing. If, if we need a miracle in this place or that place, we, we draw on the resources of heaven. And Jesus is saying that these little children coming to him to get blessed, to receive the inheritance... The legacy, that is the kingdom of heaven. What is Jesus saying? He's saying that miracles come through those youth. There's something about children and youth and kids that just draw on the heart of God. Have you ever noticed that? Like kids can pray prayers that God listens to and answers, and he doesn't like them any better than he likes you. But there's something about the heart of a youth it's so pure, 
so believing and so trusting. You know, we kind of get old and callous towards the things of God. And we're trying to believe God to, to do something in our life, but really we don't believe him. We're just hoping that maybe he might. If we pray hard enough, cry long enough, give to the building fund often enough. <laughs> that he might do something in our lives. But, but youth, they don't have all of those, those hang-ups. And miracles just seem to flow. It's, it's the kingdom of, of heaven. Millstones are miracles. If you're following along on your feelings, miracles happen around children. It's just so true. Miracles happen around children. I was talking to uh, one of our guys who, who helps out in Catalyst, the junior high ministry. He was telling me about his son. His son can barely talk. He's learning to talk right now. And they're teaching him how to talk by praying. So they're saying, son, here, here buddy, say this. And, and, and mama's not feeling so well. Say, say, Jesus, heal mama. And that's about all he can get out. And do you know what? He was telling me last night that... He had his little son pray for his mother. She was feeling so bad. And about three words, Jesus, heal mama. And immediately God healed her. There, there's just something about the faith. The kid can barely talk. There's something about the faith and the, the interaction of the next generation that, that draws the miraculous Miracles happening around children, and you have an opportunity in your life. Are you going to have a millstone or a miracle? Because if you keep working on your stuff and you neglect like the disciples did the next generation, miracles are happening there and millstones are happening here. Let's be honest. If you can pull out of your, your path for just a minute and think about what God could use your wisdom to do to impact the next generation, you might see God do something miraculous that you've been begging for. Because they're not hung up on things like we're hung up on things. Miracles happen around kids. Kids encourage faith. And we talk about having childlike faith all the time. Kids encourage faith. Matthew chapter 18, verse 1. It says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Doesn't that sound like adults? You know, the kids are just like, hey, I just want mama to feel better. Jesus, would you heal mama? Thanks. Can I have a gummy bear? <laughs> Isn't that how it is? But adults are like, who's going to have the biggest ministry? And who's going to have the best career? And who's going to write the most books? And, and who's going to have the most attendance in my life group? And, you know, who's going to be the greatest? The disciples are asking this. And, and Jesus, he stops in verse 2, and he calls over a little child to them, and he sets this, this kid in the midst of them, and he said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted, have faith, for salvation and become as a little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Kids have faith. They have faith for things. They just believe for things. I think it's so interesting that I'll, I'll see parents all the time. The, somebody will come over and say, hey, can you, can you pray for so-and-so? My, my wife's sick or I have this thing. And, and a parent will stop and say, well, well let me go get Johnny. You see this? See it all the time. Like, like the parents, I'm not, I'm not praying for that. I'm not going to touch that. Where's my kid? Come on, give, give me, Johnny, get out of the sandbox. You got to pray for somebody. Because they just believe God. 
And sometimes we get like the disciples. We're so busy about just the things of God and the, the way things work and our dogma and our theology and those kind of that we just we forget just to believe that God is God and that he works miracles. And, and there's something about the younger generation that they're not tarnished or tainted or, or, or messed up with hangups and things about church or whatever. They just, God said he would do it. Then let's just believe God and let him do it. Kids encourage our faith. Verse four, he says, therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of God. And whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Whoever receives a child in my name receives me. Your third feeling is Jesus hangs out with young people. If you can receive a child, you receive me. What's Jesus saying? If, if you'll take a minute and focus on the next generation, you'll receive them, then you can receive me. If you receive this child, then you receive me. Jesus hangs out with young people. Now think about this because in, in life, we're just trying to get a little taste of Jesus. And we sing our songs, Jesus be the center, and all of those kind of things. We're just trying to get some Jesus and then a little more Jesus, and after that, a little more Jesus. And, and, and we just don't see it like we really want to see Jesus. Millstones are miracles. See, there's something about taking your wisdom and your time and your talent and your treasure and beginning to focus that on the next generation that pulls the heartstrings of God. There's something about that stewardship that gets God's attention. Now listen, and I'm not saying that God's withholding from you just because you're an adult and he's mad at you. The issue is not God, it's us. It's that our hearts change and our priorities get shifted and our focus gets bent out of shape. And the reason why the generations that are younger see God move in different ways is because they don't have hang-ups. They're just real. It just is how it is. Just take God at his word. And see, when we begin to, to cross back over and connect with those former generations, we get, we get revived. We get made alive again. Our, our, our ways of thinking are challenged. Ways of doing things are, they have to be reprocessed. We begin to see this alive, vibrant thing that works inside of us. Velocity is taking their, their youth group to Alabama for a conference. And the youth are going to love it. They're going to jump up and down and they're going to sweat and scream and, and just worship God. But you know who's really going to get changed by that? Are the adult leaders that go with them. They're the ones who are going to be standing in the back of that crowd with earplugs in, hearing the voice of Jesus, seeing miracles happen, seeing people's lives changed, seeing God set the stage for what he wants to do in the next season of our planet. Jesus hangs out with young people. In receiving children and young people, we receive Jesus. Matthew 21 and 15. 
It says, when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that, that Jesus did, and the children crying out in the temple, they, they were crying out in praise. They said, Hosanna to the son of David. The religious people were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these people are saying, these kids are saying? And, and Jesus said to them, yes, I do hear it. He says, have you never read that out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants that praise has been perfected? Praise is perfected through babes. There's something about the heart of the next generation that's just pure. You know, our lives are supposed to be a living sacrifice, a sweet-smelling aroma to God. Our lives are a praise to God. They're, our lives should be a worship to Him. And so often we're trying to make our lives count for something for God, but the praise that we're trying to produce is really perfected by these guys that we've ignored. We kind of leave them on their own to figure their own things out instead of taking our wisdom and coupling it with their energy and letting God do something with our lives. We all want our lives to count for something. Matthew chapter 10, verse 40. Millstones are miracles. You choose. Verse 40, it says, he who receives you receives me. And he who receives him who sent me, he who receives a prophet in the name of the prophet shall receive the prophet's reward. And he who receives the righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive the righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall no mean, by no means lose his reward. See, the first part of that scripture we read all the time, you receive a prophet, in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. And we just kind of stop right there. Because it's adult stuff. That's what we want. We want to receive the adult stuff. But Jesus goes on, he says, if you would give a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, you would by no means lose the adult stuff that you're seeking after. I don't know if you're catching this this morning. I pray that you are. We're seeking after all of these other things. And if we would just invest in the next generation, Jesus himself said that you would by no means lose the reward that you're seeking. You have an opportunity in front of you not only to change the lives of the next generation but to see God manifest in a greater way in your own imagine what you could have been if somebody had invested in you the way Jesus wants you to invest in them where would you be today I love what Velocity is doing in Catalyst and, and GC Kids with life groups. These guys, they're, they're going to take their, their group to a missions trip down in West Palm Beach. They're in the planning stages, but you know what? They're on this teetering line because they need more adults to go to help. See, some of you today hold the future of what's going to happen for their missions trip in your hand. Whether they're able to pull it off or not depends on whether you're willing to offer a cup of cold water or not. 
And when you offer the cup of cold water, not only do you help teach and train the next generation, God looks at that and says, here's your reward. I love what these guys are doing with Velocity. They've completely changed the whole ministry structure. They do one service a month, and then they do life groups the rest of the time because they need those personal interactions with the young people. See, you don't have to stretch your lobes out. You don't have to shave the side of your head or get a tattoo. You just have to go and offer some relationship. Lead a velo group. Help these guys do the missions trip. GC Kids is always growing and expanding. There's always place, a place there for you. The question is, what are you going to do with the opportunity? Millstones are miracles. It's, it's up to you. In this church, between nursery and 18 years old, there are 544 students in our database. 544 students. 200 and 540, 244 students just in GC Kids. 148 students in Catalyst and 148 students in Velocity in our database. Now we don't reach all of those students because we need your help. See, God will draw those people in as there are leaders there to help them transition, to pour legacy out, to bring wisdom. The size of these ministries is based on the heart of the church. And the number of adults that are willing to go and give a cup to a cold, a cup of cold water to a child. 3,000 students at Jupiter High School. Many of them, most of them, no idea who Jesus is. Thousands of students at the elementary schools and middle schools right here in our own town. Thousands of them, no idea who Jesus is. No idea. Completely clueless. And there's a church of 450 adults, 500 adults right here that could make an impact. Do you realize you could... You could start revival. You could start revival by thinking about what God wants you to do for the next generation. Close your eyes and let me pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I just pray today that we would not be like the disciples so caught up in the things that are going on in our adult lives that we forbid a place for the next generation. God, let us be like Jesus. When the disciples rebuke the parents, let us be like Jesus that says, no, 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 bring bring them to me. Let me impart into the next generation. Let me give my wisdom to their strength. Let me give my guidance while they make their own path. Holy Spirit, I pray that right now you are tugging on hearts in this place. There are people here who have been seeking you, God, to do the miraculous in their life, but 
haven't seen it yet, I, I pray that they would engage the next generation and they would see miracles, that their hearts would change, their faith would increase, and that together we can reach a city together. We can change the face of South Florida. Together, we could even reach our nation. And together, we could even make an impact in our entire world from Jupiter, Florida. So you're here today, and God's tugging on your heart for the next generation. I just want you to put a stake in the ground, draw a line in the sand. I I want you to, to make a commitment in your heart today. I want you to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit this morning. You're here this morning and this message tugs on your heart and you know that God wants you and you have things that you can offer. God wants you to offer your wisdom to the next generation. If that's you, would you slip your hand up? I just want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we'll just take a minute. Once you lift your hand and I see it, you can put it back down. You don't have to keep it up forever. You know you have things inside of you that would benefit the next generation. God's tugging on your heart. Millstones are miracles. All right, look at me. Here's what I want you to do. As soon as I dismiss this service, I want you to walk straight to the foyer. Don't go to the cafe. Don't go to the bathroom. Go straight to the foyer. And I want you to put your name on one of those sign-up sheets for Velocity, for Catalyst, or for GC Kids. Just take the step. Make the plunge. Offer the cup of cold water. And the teams will reach out to you. They'll make sure that you're placed appropriately, that you can impact the next generation. Don't be scared. God's going to work miracles through you as you do that. I also want to give us an opportunity this morning, if we don't know who Jesus is, to to have that introduction made. So if you close your eyes again for just a minute. If you're here this morning and you do not know who Jesus is, that's your first step in life. You've got to know Jesus. You're here this morning, you're not sure how you got to this place, somebody invited you, you saw us on social media, those of you watching by video today, maybe somebody gave you a link to this, but as I'm I'm teaching this message, something is tugging on your heart. You you know you don't have a relationship with God or your relationship with God is veered off course. And and this morning there's this internal struggle happening, this this battle inside. I want to help you connect with God. If you're sitting here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to pray for you. If that's you, would you just look up at me? Just make eye contact with me. Thank you, sir. You don't have a relationship with God today and you want to commit your life to him. Just look up at me so I can see who you are. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you, young sir. don't have a relationship with the Lord today and you want one. God's tugging on your heart. 
or you're here this morning and your relationship with God has veered off course and today you want to recenter it and refocus it, just look up at me. Make eye contact with me. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Anybody else this morning? Thank you, sir. Scripture says this, that if you can say with your words what's happening inside of your heart, if you can make that profession of faith, that confession, you can believe it and say it, that, that you'll be what the Scripture calls born again, born into a new life. That the sacrifice that Jesus paid with his own life and his own blood pays the, the penalty of sin for all of us. We receive that. And so I want to help you this morning. Say with your words the things that are happening inside of your heart. Those of you joining us by video, I encourage you to pray this prayer. And then write to us. Let us know. Email us so we can pray for you and get connected with you. If you made a commitment this morning, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say it nice and loud. Say, Father God, I thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. To give me a hope, a purpose and a destiny. I ask you to come live in my heart and make me a new person. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we welcome all those who committed their lives to the Lord today? So proud of you.